Amen. Let's stay standing for for a few more moments. Uh, we're in week two of our series, Grave Robber, preparing for Easter. I hope you're excited about Easter. Are you excited? Amen. I hope you're inviting your friends. I hope you're inviting your family. And so as we're preparing for Easter, this morning I want to look at the story of Lazarus. And if you grew up in church, you may be familiar with the story of Lazarus. And if you didn't, I want to kind of tell you that story today. We actually find it in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. And I have to warn you, it's kind of a long story. So I hope you don't have any lunch plans because we might be here for a little while. I hear some nervous laughter. He was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to laugh at that or not. I'm just kidding. Okay, I want to summarize the whole story for you. It's 44 verses long. Let me summarize it into one statement. Are you ready? This man named Lazarus dies and Jesus brings him back to life. That's the story. That is the story of Lazarus that we're going to look at this morning. That Jesus has the power to take someone who is physically dead and bring them back to life. Is that not amazing? Right? That's what we're going to look at this morning, the story of Lazarus, the power of Jesus to bring somebody from death back into life. And here's what I want you to do. If if you can think back on your life and and think of a time that God rescued you, called you out of your grave, would you raise your hands with me? If you can think of a time back in your life where Jesus robbed your grave, I just want you to lift those hands. Look around you. He's emptied a lot of graves. Amen? Let's celebrate him. Amen. Let's put our hands back up and let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for robbing our graves. That is not something that we could do in our own power. It's only your voice, your name that is capable of bringing dead things back to life. And you do that every day. You're not just a God of the past. You're a God of today and of tomorrow. So you're still calling people out of their graves even to this day. God, I pray that uh, those in this room this morning that, that may still be stuck in a grave and maybe not even aware of it would be shocked a little bit this morning be brought back to life in your name. God, I pray for those that we are inviting to Easter. I pray that we we don't let them just rot in a grave, but God, I pray that we bring them to you next week and we, we introduce them to you. You are the great grave robber. So I want to pray right now for the people who are planning to be here next week for our Easter services. God, be with us as we prepare, as, as, as we invite May your spirit go ahead of us and just prepare hearts to find and follow you. Thank you for who you are and your power. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Hope you didn't think that was the whole sermon. (laughs) We got a little bit more we got to cover. There were a lot of empty graves in here this morning, but... We also know that there are people who are still stuck in a grave. And we know people in our lives. I'm sure you can start thinking of names and individuals that you love or neighbors that you know who are stuck in some situation that they may not even be aware of. 
And so I want to be fair to the text. I want to be fair to the full story of Lazarus and tell you everything that you need to know about this story. And there's three things this morning that I think you need to know about the rest of the story as we find it in John chapter 11. Here's, here's what we're going to start with. Number one, Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus. Lazarus was not just a stranger. He wasn't some guy that Jesus didn't know and healed. No, Jesus loved Lazarus. Uh, John tells us in three different places. Lord, the one you love is sick. Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. And they sent a message out to Jesus and said, Hey, the one you love is sick. Implying that Jesus knew Lazarus closely. Maybe even as a close friend. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, and her sister and Lazarus, right? Deeply loved them. Even the community knew about it. Then the Jews said, the ones who were there at the funeral service for Lazarus said, see how much he loved him. Jesus loved Lazarus. He loved his family. In fact, Jesus traveled miles to be with this family a few days after Lazarus had passed. It took him a few days to get there, and, and he shows up, and this isn't a miracle. He doesn't bring Lazarus back to life from a distance. You think about that. Could Jesus have brought Lazarus back to life from wherever he was? Could he have simply said, hey, go back, tell Mary and Martha he's healed, he's just sleeping, he'll wake up in a few hours? He most definitely could. But he instead, he goes to where Mary and Martha are. He travels to them. I think there's something important that we need to know this morning from that, and that is that Jesus shows up. He's not a God that's distant. He's not a God that just watches. He shows up. He came to where Mary and Martha were. We serve a God who shows up. And it's not always in the way we expect. And it's not always in the time frame we hope for. But Jesus always shows up. And I think he shows up because he deeply cares about the people in the story. He deeply cares about Mary and Martha and his dead friend Lazarus. Listen to how John, who writes this story, tells about what's going on inside of Jesus. He says, when Jesus saw her, Mary, remember the sister of Lazarus, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then just a few verses later, maybe you've memorized this verse as a kid, Jesus wept, right? If you've never memorized a Bible verse, say this with me. Say, Jesus wept. You just memorized your first Bible verse. Good job, right? And we sometimes think of that as simplistic. Well, I memorized Jesus wept. Think about that. Our Savior was moved to tears. Our God cries. Our God cries. He feels what we feel. I've never read or studied about any other God of any other religion who interacts with his people in that way. You won't find that. And so Jesus shows up and he cries with Mary and Martha. He is experiencing their pain as they are experiencing their pain. And I think he sees them and he's moved from his earthly relationship. But I wonder if he's also weeping because he knows that they are experiencing something they were never meant to experience. 
Death was not God's original plan. When God created the garden, he created all things perfect, and he put Adam and Eve in there, and death was not part of God's original plan. See, for the wages of sin is death. And so with sin came death and sorrow and mourning and crying and pain. And so Jesus is weeping in that moment with them in an earthly relationship, but I think he's also aware that they are experiencing something that they were never meant to experience. And I wonder maybe if this connects with something John wrote later. You know, John wrote another book called Revelation. And later on, he says this about Jesus. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Our death was not part of God's original plan. He weeps with them, and I want you to know this this morning. Jesus loves you with that same amount of love. Jesus loves you with the same amount of love that we see him have for Mary, Martha, and his friend Lazarus. He loves you deeply, and he is with you in all situations. You are his creation. He loves you. He knows the hurt that you may be experiencing. He knows things that you've gone through in your life, and he's been there with you. And you may be listening this morning and think, my life's in a pretty good situation right now. I've got most things taken care of, and that's awesome. You know, as sure as God cries, I bet he also laughs. I bet he's also with you in the good times, in the joyful times. He's there as well. But as JC alluded to earlier, we all know that things are, are coming in our life that we will not want to deal with. There will be heartache, and there will be tragedy, and there will be pain. But what we learn from the story is that Jesus shows up, and he will be with you in the good situations and in the difficult situations. Jesus shows up. He doesn't stand by and judge. He's not a God that just watches from a distance and watches you suffer and, and think, well, if they had just done things differently, they wouldn't be in that situation, and so they are getting what they deserve. That's not the God we serve. He doesn't stand by in judgment. He's there. We need to reach out to him. That's what Mary and Martha did, right? Their, their brother Lazarus was extremely ill, and so they sent a message to Jesus and said, hey, the one you love is sick. I wonder when the last time we called out like that was. When was the last time we called out on our own behalf? God, I'm not sick. I'm not doing well. There's some things in my life that, that I don't like. Or when's the last time you called out on behalf of a friend of yours or a family member and said, God, the one you love, the ones you love are sick. Please be with them. Right? We're not dead yet. And so we still have time to call out and to reach out to him. We need to do what Mary and Martha did and call out to Jesus for ourselves and on the behalf of others. Scripture says that the prayers of a powerful person, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. We need to call out. We need to call out. So point number one was that Jesus loved Lazarus, but you and I both know that love is messy, isn't it? 
Just because you love somebody doesn't mean there's just ultimate peace. Sometimes with love comes a little bit of tension, comes a little bit of frustration. And so this story gets a little bit messy because by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, he's dealing with two very emotional women, a community that's just attended a funeral, and a body that's been decomposing for four days. And probably the two women were the most difficult part of that whole situation. Right? He's, he's dealing with two women who just lost their brother. That's a messy situation. But you know what? Jesus wasn't afraid of that mess. He wasn't afraid of that mess. It would have been very easy for him to avoid that. Just say, yeah, Lazarus, he'll come back from the dead in a few hours. Just, just wait for it. He shows up. And he encounters Mary and Martha. So they send a message to him. Hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. When he finally arrives, look at what they say. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Well, there's a greeting, right? He's showing up. Jesus shows up. And how, do, how are they greet him? If you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. Okay, hello. Good to see you. All right, this is a tense situation. Even the people in the community realize there's some tension in here. Isn't Jesus the same guy who made the blind man see? Could not he have saved Lazarus? He could have prevented this whole situation if he had just been here. Have you ever had those same thoughts? Have you ever wrestled with those same issues with God? Those if only moments. Jesus, if only you had prevented me or stopped me from taking those pills the first time. Uh, Jesus, if only you had been there before my divorce. Uh, Jesus, if only you had prevented my child from taking drugs. That's real life. We struggle in that. And for those of us who come into this place and we believe in Jesus, we know that he has the power to heal people. And we've seen stories of that and we've heard stories of that. And yet you might be thinking, he hasn't healed my situation yet. There's a tension in that. Yes, Jesus loves you. And yes, he's going to show up. But there's some times that we don't understand what he's up to. And I would love to give you some great explanation as to why we experience things in life that, that we don't want to experience. But I'm not sure anything I would tell you would satisfy all I know is what I know from this story. But Jesus loves me, he loves you, and he's there. He's going to show up. I don't know why Jesus has not delivered me from anxiety and panic attacks. Over a decade now, I've been dealing with that. I don't know why he won't just lift that from me. But so far, he hasn't. Right? God, if only you would do that, then I could do these things. I wouldn't have fear. I wouldn't have these things that I have to drag around with me. So far, he's not healed me. But I know that he's there. It doesn't make me doubt that he's still there with me in that. I have several friends right now who are in my age group that are dealing with cancer. And I don't know why... There's so many young people around me that are dealing with cancer, that are having to go through chemo treatments at, at age like 35, and are having to have major surgeries. He's not healed them miraculously yet. It's not for a lack of faith or prayer. He's just doing something different. But I trust, based on this story, 
that he still loves them and he's still showing up. And he's in every one of those situations, the good ones and the difficult ones. God's timing is often a mystery and a struggle. Uh, But I think we learn from this story that he can take that. He can take those questions that we have. he's, He's man enough to deal with that. Uh, when, when he shows up on the scene, I don't picture it as Mary and Martha sticking their finger in his face and, if only you had been here. I see it more as a weeping. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I see it more as him embracing them as they're crying into his chest. And maybe he responded with something we see in First Peter. Give all your worries and cares to God. Give those to me. I care about you. So when we struggle, when we ask those questions, it's not a pointing a finger in the face of God. It's an honest moment. God, I'm struggling. And I think he wants us to bring that to him. You see, Jesus loves us enough to enter into our mess. He loves you enough to enter into your mess. Death stinks. Heartaches hurt. Pain is real. But he's not afraid to step into those situations with you or into the situations of people that you know who are really struggling with things. Uh, Listen, Lazarus had been dead for four days by the time Jesus shows up. Four days. And this is before they were were icing bodies and preparing, you know, long term. This was, they didn't uh, embalm in the Jewish culture. And so when Jesus shows up, the body had been decomposing for four days. And he tells them to open the grave, open the tomb. And the sisters are like, that's not a good idea. It probably smells really bad in there, Jesus. He doesn't back down. Open it. He's not afraid of the mess. He's not afraid of that smell of Lazarus. He's not afraid to step into that situation. Listen, your situation may stink, but the stench of your sin will not push away the Savior. The stench of your sin will not scare away our Savior. He will step into that situation with you. He will cry with you. He will laugh with you. He will be there. I like the way Paul writes it in Romans a little more eloquently. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Jesus loves you. And he isn't afraid of your mess. He isn't afraid of my mess. The third thing I want you to know is that Jesus has power. If the story of Lazarus is meant to teach us anything, it is that Jesus has incredible power. He shows up and brings a man who was dead back to life. He has incredible power. Listen to how John records what happens outside the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Jesus calls out with a loud voice and Lazarus walks out of the grave. He walks out of that situation. With, with his voice, he spoke life back into Lazarus. He didn't need one of these little nifty contraptions. This is an AED. You guys familiar with, with these things? You see them on movies all the time. They pull out the big uh, paddles and they try to pump the body back to life, which is not even how it works. It won't restart a heart. It just changes your rhythm. He didn't show up with something like this. and like, well, boys, let's see what happens. Right? No, he spoke life back into Lazarus. And I have to imagine it's that same voice that we see all the way back in Genesis. The same voice that spoke the universe into existence. The same voice that, that spoke out stars and galaxies and sunrises and sunsets spoke life back into Lazarus. Right, the same voice that said Lazarus is the same voice that said let us in Genesis. Let us make man in our image. That voice has the power to restart a heart. And I think God still has that same powerful voice today. This isn't a story for us to read and think, oh, that's cute, but that probably doesn't happen anymore. That same voice is still powerful. He's the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I think that same voice is still calling out to people today, still saying, come out of the grave. And I'm not sure what graves may exist in this room or if you're watching online what you might be dealing with, right? I don't know what graves exist in the lives of those you love. But maybe you need to come out of the grave of addiction. We know the power of addiction and this vicious cycle that people get in and they can't find a way out because in their own power, you can't. You gotta have the power of someone greater than yourself to help pull you out of that situation. And so maybe today you need to come out of the grave of addiction. Uh, maybe today you need to come out of the grave of fear. If this last year has done anything, it's made us hypersensitive and very fearful. Maybe for some of you, that's created a grave and you're living in this darkness of fear. Come out of that. Take off those grave clothes and go on with life. Uh, maybe some of you need to come out of the grave of pornography. Research says that that, that that issue has risen exponentially over the last year. As more and more people have been stuck at home, maybe you need to come out of that grave. Walk out of that situation. Maybe for you, you're in a situation where you are considering or thinking of adultery. Maybe you need to come out of that grave today. Um, come out of the grave of your sin. You can't do it on your own. But Jesus can bring you back. Come out of the grave and take off those grave clothes. Those are for dead people. You're alive. You see, we were dead in our sin and our transgressions, but we were made alive in Christ. That's what the story of Lazarus is telling us. That Jesus has the incredible power to bring dead things back to life, physically and spiritually. 
And so three things I want you to know about the story of Lazarus. Jesus loves you. And he loves you enough to show up. And he loves you enough to cry with you and to be with you in every situation of your life, in the good and the bad. And Jesus is not afraid of your mess. There's no mess that you've created that Jesus cannot solve. He'll be there with you in that mess. And he has power. The story of Lazarus proves this. He can call people back to life in his name. And it's those three things, the fact that Jesus loves you, he's not afraid of your mess, and that he has power, it's those things that make him the great grave robber. Amen? Let's celebrate him. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for loving us, for being willing to give up your life so that we could have ours. Thank you for being powerful and for being a God that cares and that is deeply moved. Thank you for being a God that's just not up in some heavenly place staring down on his people. No, you show up and you're there with us. So God, I pray for anyone in this room or anyone who's viewing online, if they're stuck in a grave, I pray you call them out of that this morning that they listen to your voice. And if we are in this room and we have experienced the power of that, I pray we don't take that for granted. That we just don't get up tomorrow morning and just go live another day. But we celebrate the fact that we're new. And we've been made alive in your name. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. One last thought. Jesus said this to Mary in about the middle of the story. He said, Jesus told Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Mary? And so I want to ask you that same question this morning. Do you believe what we just talked about? Do you believe that Jesus loves you, that he's not afraid of your mess, and that he has the power to fix it? If so, while we sing this next song, if you're in the room today, I want you to exit to the lobby, out to our Next Steps area. And I'll be there, some volunteers will be there, and we'll talk with you about what it looks like to find and follow Jesus, to walk out of that grave and to take off those grave clothes. And if you're online, your host is dropping a link in the chat. You can click on that and talk to someone directly about what it looks like to find and follow Jesus. For the rest of us, I want you to pray for the people you're going to invite to Easter. Pray for them. Let's stand and let's sing together.